The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. We live in a fast-paced, hectic world where it is easy to feel overwhelmed, stressed, and out of control. How do you manage all the competing pressures without losing your sense of yourself? How do you stay focused enough to not only plot a path, but follow it? Welcome to Master Your Life, a show that offers inspiration, insight, and intelligence, as well as success stories for many walks of life that can show you how you can control your own destiny. Our knowledgeable and entertaining hosts and their guests give practical advice that you can use every day in the quest to master your life. Now, here are your hosts, Leah Mattinson and Dr. Howard Rankin. Welcome to Master Your Life, a show that gives you insight, intelligence, and inspiration into today's, unfortunately, multiple problems that we all face. I'm Dr. Howard Rankin, and along with my host, Leah Mattinson, we are very excited and thrilled today to have one of our favorite guests back with us today. And without further ado, let me welcome Dr. John Gray. How are you, sir? Well, thank you so much. I'm doing very well, thank you. Great. Um, and in today's show, we're going to talk about ADD and the hyper-focused world and the book that you have on that and your views about it, because this is such a such a big problem. Leah, have you encountered, I know you've had some experience with this issue, and I, I think it would be interesting for our listeners to get a little um, hint of your experience, which is certainly not uncommon in this field. Yeah, uh, in my uh, counseling practice 25-odd years ago, the very first, um, I was working for a school division, rural isolated in Canada, school division, and had these wonderful students and and wonderful uh, professionals that I worked alongside with. And when I first started in my career, so in about 1991, there was one child who had been diagnosed with ADHD and was on Ritalin at that time. And by the time I was finished uh, in that role, eight years later, there was over 100 children uh, taking medication for ADHD and at that time my own opinion of that whole thing was that lots of parents just weren't that interested in parenting and I could see that there was things nutritionally that I thought that people could be doing a better job of um, because we would see kids that would come in and and have clear problems that looked like they had a direct relationship to what they were consuming. So lots of sugary foods and and all of that. Uh, So it was very discouraging for me as a counselor to watch people, uh, little ones, um, that being the intervention. And so, so many years now later, like I say, about 25 years later, it looks like there's a swing kind of back towards some more understanding of what we do to what we're doing to ourselves. And so, Howard, I know you've had experience with this as well in your practice. Yeah. yeah. Yes, and I did a study in the independent school district in Missouri specifically looking at this, but we'll, hopefully we'll get into that as the, as the show goes on because I think it's relevant. But, but John, tell us about your take on ADD and specifically the take you make in your book. Well, I think uh, it might be useful to ex- express my transition to this insight, which I really, really want parents to understand is that 
they probably know of me as the author of Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus, and mm-hmm. Relationships, and I've been teaching them, been a counselor for over 40 years, and now I teach, you know, the ideas in my books and travel the world and so forth. But I'm, in, I'm 65, and when I turned 50, I started having early-stage Parkinson's. And I was never diagnosed with ADHD, but once I began studying it, I could have been diagnosed with it. And really? Yeah. Uh, I had a major uh, concussion as a child, and that is one of the, one of the mm. causes of ADHD-type symptoms. And so when I investigated, you know, Parkinson's runs in the family and I, in my family, and I'd seen other relatives with it, and I thought, well, I'm not going to do the medication because everybody knows that once you start on the medication, which replaces dopamine in the brain, your brain stops making dopamine, and so that you have to keep taking more and more medication until it doesn't work at all. That's called habituation. Now, right. so I went and studied the whole thing and found a, you know, an alternative solution to the whole thing, which was providing my brain with pre-digested amino acids. And my symptoms all went away. Now, since that time, there are PubMed studies showing that doing uh, the procedure I did in a slightly different way, I did it in a more natural way, but they do it with uh, store-bought amino acids. Uh, they have seen to arrest or stop the progression of Parkinson's, and in many cases in the early stages to reverse it. So my re- big re- realization was after doing that, the symptoms that I'd had my whole life that we might call ADHD symptoms uh, went away. And I was like, right. wow, this is amazing. The whole time, my, my, my brain just needed this extra nutrition in order to make necessary adjustments. And, and this is what's happening to kids all the time is they go through some stressful experience. Uh, there, there's many conditions that can cause it. Concussion is a big one, of course, but it can be emotional stress as well that can inhibit the digestion of proteins. When a child experiences a lot of stress, the the adrenal gland stops making hydrochloric acid, which digests proteins. And when you don't digest proteins properly, they don't make the precursors to dopamine. Dopamine is, you know, focus and steadiness and interest and motivation. And without those precursors, your brain can't make enough. So once you have a condition where your body's not fully digesting your food, even for a, period, a short period of time, then what happens is your, your brain now seeks out higher stimulation. And it's almost like you become addicted to uh, being busy, a busy mind, busy body, a busy emotions. I call it hyper. So I call it, that's why the book's called Staying Focused in a Hyper World, is we start depending upon things being hyper in order to stimulate enough dopamine in the brain. And in that state of hyper, again, you can't fully digest your proteins. So the condition never gets cleared up. And part of the solution Part of one solution to it, there could be many avenues, natural, is to take away the hyperstimulation for a while and provide extra support for digestion as well as easy-to-digest proteins that can start making those dopamine, uh, that, can, that your brain can easily make dopamine, plenty of dopamine, which gives you the focus back. Right. John, I think there's lots of confusion, um, and maybe you could help clear it up for our listeners about um, what is ADD, what is ADHD, and and I know that there's about four types. Maybe you could just talk about what those types are. Yeah, this is so so important because, you know, even as I talk about it, I know some parents are going, wait a second, my child has no problem with focus because they'll sit at a computer game and you can't get right. them off it. 
and that's right. because there's the, the, the hyperstimulation. <laughs> mm-hmm. And yet you put a child in front of a teacher talking, and the child is bored to death and looking around. And so there's basically what happens in the brain is a shift. That what can happen is happening to our kids. A shift takes place where dopamine is not being utilized properly, made and utilized properly. So, so what we seek out is extra stimulation. So we're bored easily. So that shows up in different children in four basic ways, and it can be a combination. One is if you're not getting enough stimulation to feel alive and interested and excited and motivated, then you're bored. So your body literally starts fidgeting. You know, it's moving to another stimulation. You're looking around. Your body's moving. It can't just relax and be in the moment. The second kind is mental stimulation, is you're, you can't stay at one point. You can't listen to the teacher. You're, it's too boring. So your mind wanders around, and an idea here, an idea here, an idea here. And somebody might even be talking to you, and you have to interrupt them. You become very impulsive because you can't hold on to your idea for long because you need another idea. And I'm sure many people even listening today have had that experience to some extent where somebody's talking and you have an idea and you want to say it, but you don't because you're being polite and you're listening, and then the idea goes away. So that's a mild form of what we're talking about here is the steadiness stream of ideas. You know, as a writer back in my early, my 30s, I have so many ideas running through my head that, I, before I, I get a new idea, and if I didn't write it down right away, uh, I would lose it. And then mm-hmm. I would lose the one I was just writing on. So, so there's this flood of information, and that's called, I would say, the hyper-distracted type. So there's the hyperactive types. They're very impulsive in their actions, and they need to move around. And ironically, if you just let them move, go out and throw a ball, uh, throwing a ball or kicking a ball around will actually now stimulate dopamine enough dopamine so they can go back in and relax for a little while. But they need an excessive amount of that physical stimulation. So you have the hyper, yeah. hyperactive, hyperdistractive. And then the same thing applies to hyper-organized. Uh, okay, these kids, they want everything done just right. You might call them hyper-responsive, which is the teacher says, sit there and listen to me and do this. And they're like sitting at the edge of their seat and they're, everything has to be done right. But they're the child that their homework is never good enough, even though they're getting A's, and their room is never clean enough, or their outfit doesn't fit perfect. They're hyper-compulsive. And then you get the hypersensitive types, and these are the ones that they get their feelings hurt easily, and they don't understand everybody because they're trying to be good friends, and they give a lot, and they give, and when it doesn't come back, they get very, very upset about it. Things can't be worded in the right way for them. They're, it's, it's the sensitivity that extends beyond emotions to simply the clothes that they wear, the, the smells that come into their body, uh, the way people look at them, they're going to be hypersensitive on an emotional level. So this is what's going on today, and it's creating you know, challenges for parents, and we want to get to the bottom of it and recognize what good solutions are. How much of this it has either uh, the advance in technology and you know, the, the, the constant availability of tons of stimulation. I mean, how much of that, is that just coincidental or how much does that really play into what we see in, in terms of the prevalence of these conditions? Well, you know, it's always interesting, you know, which comes first, the chicken or the egg. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, if you were to take, uh, you could be this mild-mannered person and you're not dependent on hyperstimulation to feel alive. And I just want to elicit that more. Some people are, like, so bored in their lives, they have to jump out of planes and do dangerous things. They're thrill-seekers. They feel alive, and then they go back to not feeling alive. 
So the idea is you're not depending upon hyperstimulation from the outside, but hyperstimulation can be uh, cocaine, heroin, it can be Ritalin, Adderall, it can be sugar. You notice that when children are eating sugar, uh, they're very calm while they're eating it. But then right afterwards, then they become overexcited in different ways, which is why you give the birthday cake and the ice cream at the end of the party, because if you did it at the beginning of the party, <laughs> children would be unmanageable. That's just a simple way of looking at this. And um, So the, the, the idea is chicken or the egg. If I was to be mild-mannered with no ADHD symptoms and suddenly I was given cocaine, Cocaine would stimulate me in a very high way. That would change the brain. It would desensitize the brain. And now I would become more dependent upon the cocaine to feel alive. And my normal life would make me feel bored and flat. So you can give the stimulus, and now you have the condition. Or you could have the condition, which now says, oh, I need, my life is boring. I need to go and take a drug to give me the stimulation that I need. So if you give a child who doesn't have any ADHD symptoms uh, and put them in front of a computer game, to some extent they're not going to get addicted to the computer game. And the same condition of ADHD is, is very similar to what we call addiction because the game produces so much dopamine that now the brain changes. It's called habituation. And the brain depends upon the high dopamine for pleasure rather than normal dopamine stimulation. And what would normal dopamine stimulation be? It would be eat your vegetables. And maybe the child doesn't like vegetables. And then the parent says, well, if you eat your vegetables, it makes me really happy. And the child says, okay, I want to please my parents. The a parent being proud of you and being pleased with you is a normal dopamine stimulation that would normally organize and motivate children. Today, it's not enough. A parent's approval, an A on a test or whatever, is not enough dopamine stimulation compared to an iPad, compared to uh, a dessert, compared to uh, taking Ritalin, for example, which stimulates high levels of dopamine. So what we're doing is we're kind of bribing our kids. It's now if you, if you eat your vegetables, you'll get a dessert. Uh, if you get your vegetables, then you'll get to play on your iPad. And, and we're using other things to motivate our children rather than the normal motivators, which have been there for thousands of years, which a child is built to have, which is the primary motivation that produces dopamine in children, is to please our parents. Because if you can't please your parents, you don't survive. So that's a deep survival mechanism. And all of these other stimulants in our life have overridden that. And so our children are sort of a bit lost and their direction, and they're just depending upon one stimulation after another. Yeah, and I think the research there is, is fairly clear. Um, I'm put, putting that another way, and I could completely agree with what you say, is just think about, you know, your your peak experience. If you, you know, if dopamine is, is your peak experience is pleasing your uh, parents or having a nice meal or even, you know, sex, um, hey, that's great. But you start raising the bar um, for example, you know, I've seen some research where um, physical pleasure might increase dopamine by twofold, but cocaine might increase it twelvefold. Well, now uh, compared to cocaine, all those other pleasures don't really do it for you, and so you're continually raising the bar with all of this different stimulation. And you're exactly right. Then what happens is the normal stimulators, the healthy stimulators, don't really have that power anymore. 
And I think and that's really what you're saying. It's exactly what I'm saying. You said it beautifully. And, it, you know, for me, and I try to do it in the book, I, I try to explain it. It's a hard concept to grip because it just can, kind of seems like, oh, the brain, you're just kind of, kind of comparing it. It's like there's a choice there. There's no choice at all. The brain literally changes when you raise that bar. When you go 12 times higher, what happens is the brain says, well, that's too much stimulation. And your ability to utilize dopamine now decreases. So what that means, there's something called dopamine receptors. They're like little buckets, in a sense, that receive the dopamine so you experience pleasure and focus and motivation. So if you raise the bars to 12, you suddenly lose a third of your buckets. So now normal stimulation at 2, the bars at 2, parental approval, eating your vegetables, doing your homework, cleaning your room, parents are being proud of you. So you go up to a 2, there's only a there's only two-thirds of the buckets to receive that. And so you don't get much stimulation of dopamine. You're dependent upon for that full peak of pleasure, like, oh, look what I just did, that sense of accomplishment, feeling like a hero in a sense. You need the bar to be 12. So our children become dependent upon this higher stimulation. And what are those higher stimulations? They're just simply bad diets. You know, lots of uh, MSG in our food stimulates dopamine in the brain. Uh, that makes the food taste better. All your packaged foods have MSG. The, the refined processed sugars immediately give a burst of dopamine to the brain and start to downregulate uh, these dopamine receptor sites. Now, the big so as we is- as we go into our first break, John, I want to be able to pick up on this after um, our break. I just want to to uh, pick up on a point that you'd said about that we're trying to fit. How do we figure out what to do? And when our minds as adults are also in chaos, not only are, not only are our children experiencing um, these hyperactivities, but we are as well. So staying focused enough <laughs> for us to <laughs> be able to take in this information and to make sense of it and to apply it to our own lives and and our lives and those of our children and grandchildren, that is also um, a big uh, area of concern. So when we come back after the break, we'll be joined again by Dr. John Gray talking about staying focused in a hyper world. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com If you've been searching for fat loss and mental clarity in one place, think ketosis. Maybe you've heard about a ketogenic diet but have been totally turned off by the painstaking effort to do it. Well, agonize no longer because there is a solution. What could be just as simple and easy as taking your daily vitamins? Visit reallifetraining.expert to find out. Raise your hand and get in on the front end of the total wellness revolution. Get well, manage your mood, clear your mind. Visit reallifetraining.expert now. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Build your better business. Achieve that goal. Make good on that resolution. 
the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. You are tuned in to Master Your Life. To reach Leah Mattinson, Dr. Howard Rankin, or their guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or send an email to Leah. That's L-E-A-H-A at changeyourlife.expert. Now, back to Master Your Life. Welcome back to Master Your Life. I'm host Leah Mattinson, joined by my co-host, Dr. Howard Rankin, and our most wonderful and wise guest, Dr. John Gray. And today we're talking about staying focused in a hyper world. Before the break, uh, we were talking about how we as adults can maybe try to figure out what it is that we need to do to get into pl- in place in order for us to make sense and understand how we can quiet our minds. So, John, picking up on, on where we left off, how is it that media influences us right now as adults? And how well, does that again, affect it, our children? It, 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 again, we come back to the chicken and the egg. If we feel kind of bored in our life, we're looking for dopamine stimulation. The major thor- One of the major stimulators of dopamine, danger, is a stimulator of dopamine. Approval from your parents is, a, it's, it's, is also a dopamine stimulator. The reason is the, the possibility of not getting approval is danger. But, you know, if you're in danger, dopamine gets produced. Your brain becomes hyper-sharp, hyper-motivated, because you've got to escape or run. But also there's other dopamine stimulators. Uh, Newness is one of the major dopamine stimulators. Like as a relationship counselor, I'm always recommending for couples to, you know, go somewhere new and different, to go on a little vacation, go on a little getaway, and it will stimulate that dopamine in the brain, which for adults who are in love will create romantic feelings. So newness is always about that. That's why we like, uh, particularly women, they like to wear different clothes, okay, so the, how they look. Um, you know, I have other ways of, of stimulating dopamine, and when you feel uh, successful at something, it stimulates dopamine. So I could wear the same uniform every day and be very happy with it. My wife would be very bored by that. She would want to have a different outfit and her hair different and so forth. So it all shows up differently. But one of the major dopamine stimulators is newness, and that's what the news is. And it used to be, back in the 60s, you'd watch 30 minutes of news and you'd feel very satisfied. Today, people would do hours of the news, and the news has to be crazier and crazier. It has to be, look at this and look at that. And we have this very short attention span when it comes to what's going on in politics and so forth. And it's a big drama. It's like going to the movies, you know, a big screen. You know, one of the most dramatic ways to look at how our brains have changed is go and watch a movie from the 40s. You know, I took a film school Mm. class once, and they had a show in these black and white movies from the 40s, which were so slow that, you know, the (laughs) scenes were just so slow. You you fall asleep, you get bored, you you can see whatever ADHD-type symptom you have. You just can't believe it. Because now we need fast action, bright colors, change, differences, loudness, boom, bang. All of those things are stimulants that our children are, are addicted to with their video games, along with, you know, we in our own lives being addicted to, to news. And it has to be new and different, new and different. What do they say now? What are they going to do? And so we, we, the, the news, they know that if they do that, more people will watch. And as more people watch it more, uh, their brains change again. And ironically, before doing the show today, I was... Uh, I was noticing today that it used to be that when we got up in the morning, we put on some nice music, and now immediately the news comes on. The news is on the radio. <laughs> I was thinking, yep. we've got to stop this. You know, we've become news junkies. 
Yeah, and I love that uh, I've written a book, John, called The uh, Silver Linings, The Essential Courage to um, Building Courage, Self-Esteem, and Wellness, because we have Huntington's disease in our family. And so that's, this book is in reference to that. Uh, and what one of the decisions I made eight years ago when I got my positive genetic status for that was to actually, and I've never been a big fan of TV anyway, I find that I maybe have some sensory issues around just how... Um, it, it not only excites me, but it distresses me at the same time. So I made a decision at that time to actually um, pretty much get rid of the TV from our home. And so when I come into other people's homes that have the TV on and the noise is blaring and all that, it actually, at this age, so I'm almost 50, that it just, um, it actually sets my teeth on edge. And so I am very desensitized to all of that, and it's and that um, makes me want to run away. So I, uh, you know, I'll turn the volumes down or turn the TV off, and I don't really even listen to music a whole ton in my in my vehicle. But kind of I find it um, get it like grates on me a lot of the time. So I totally um, get what you're saying, and that. So how do people move away from that? Because there needs to be there needs to be some steps to move away from it. It can't just be as simple as flipping the switch off, can it? No, it's not that simple. Uh, if, if a child, uh, you know, I was talking with a parent recently, and their doctor prescribes to the child who had a concussion playing uh, soccer. And their only remedy uh, for helping the brain recover from concussion was to avoid stimulation for six months. That means no, no TV, no, any, no loud noises, and... Uh, no stimulation. It, it was shocking. Went down this list, and to think that any kid can do that and uh, <laughs> is gonna, yeah, right. today that that's gonna, itself going to be a trauma for the child. But the, but the principle is correct, and it used to be in the past that if all you did is avoid stimulation, your brain could heal. But we now know that just even the diet that we have produces this huge st- stimulation so the brain doesn't heal. But the principle is basic. If it's high stimulation that caused the condition, in most cases, then low stimulation gives the brain a chance to recover. In a sense, it's kind of like one day off a week for all of us. You know, that the whole idea of Sunday is a, a day of rest mm-hmm. and relaxation or having the weekend. Because, you know, during the week we're pumped up, we're doing uh, solving problems, we're being successful, we're facing danger, we're facing stresses. And then you need a, a time to turn it all off. That actually, that relaxation, that little vacation, that allows the the receptor sites in the brain to reset to come back. And uh, that's part of the prop, part of the thing. But during that reset time, we have to make sure that the body has what it needs in order to rebuild itself. It needs to have these stem cells. The body makes stem cells all the time to regenerate itself. So the body has to also have the ability to do that. The body also needs the ability to digest proteins properly so that these brain chemicals can be made very efficiently and restore the balance in the brain. Whenever the brain is not making enough brain chemicals, then the receptor sites, you know, basically, they do not upregulate. And so the brain now seeks out hyperstimulation again, so you feel extremely bored. So some people, when they take their rest, here's two types of rest. You relax and you go, ah, it's so peaceful. This is just what I needed. And another kind of rest is, ah, this is so boring. I don't know what to do. This is not satisfying for me. I'm sitting in the bathtub and I'm worried about all the things in my life. Or I I should be doing this and I should be doing that and I shouldn't be doing this. 
or some people are just going to feel kind of empty, but they're going to feel bored and unhappy and distressed, and they feel like, I've got to have an ice cream, I've got to have a cookie, I've got to eat more. Uh, I need more carbohydrate, which stimulates dopamine. Or they might feel like, I just have to watch TV, or TV even becomes boring. I need some fancy news. You know, this, these are all, that, those are all symptoms of the brain receptor sites are not coming back into balance because our digestion isn't working or we're missing certain nutrients in, in our body. Yeah, it was interesting when you're saying, well, use the weekend to relax. I was imagining people saying, oh, great, now I can have pizza and ice cream and you know, drink beer. And, exactly. And, <laughs> and, 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 and their concept of relaxation isn't quite what you had in mind in terms of brain recovery. Although what I'm hearing you saying is the brain will try to do that in order to keep up. So there's, there's a lot of contradiction here that makes it very difficult, I think. It's all very confusing to- because there is contradiction, and but but that's why we keep looking at this one basic idea of you, like you said, if the bar is at two in your life, <clears throat> uh, then you feel happy and peaceful. But if the bar goes up to twelve, you have a peak experience of pleasure, and wow, this is exciting, and I feel great. And now the brain habituates to that. The receptor sites go down, and you're dependent upon that peak level of stimulation to feel happy. And normal levels don't feel good. Do and, and then if you stop the peak stimulation, your body will want to come back into balance. And, and so you'll feel like, oh, I just need to rest and relax, which we've all had that experience of, you know, being able to relax and feeling really good. And we've all had the experience of, of having time to relax, but needing, you know, to eat some pizza or needing to drink a beer or needing to have a dessert or needing to go watch a big movie or something. Otherwise, we would feel bored. And what do you fill in the gap if you don't do any of the said things we mentioned, which are the big hyper-dopamine stimulators? The way you fill in the gap during that relaxing time, and this is the big missing element, is social interactions. Social interactions is the healing aspect of it. If you go to cultures that don't have TVs, even air conditioning was a precursor to starting this whole thing. It used to be when, when there wasn't air conditioning, people would sit out on their porches and people would walk around and you'd see who was available and you'd socialize and you'd go to people's houses. And now we're all socializing. We all have a need to socialize, but with our favorite TV shows. I'm not against TV shows. I'm not against radio shows. Everything in moderation. But what happens is our friends become friends on TV rather than actually having a social life that would stimulate normal levels of uh, this uh, dopamine as opposed to the high levels that get produced from a TV. This is the bigger the screen, the higher the dopamine levels. And the more, more, more not real something is fantasy meaning you're having a relationship with somebody and it's not real, it will actually produce more dopamine. And for our teenage kids, the, the fantasy, particularly boys, of the online porn causes almost cocaine-like levels of dopamine get produced when someone watches digital sex and or, or all of the stimulation around that. And, and, you know, a little pornography used to be like a little card that you would sneak here and there and give you a little burst of, of dopamine. I remember when I was growing up, Playboy magazine had women in lingerie, uh, and that was it. You know? <laughs> and that was something you'd hide under the bed. It was very exciting. 
and, and that was in itself a little bit of a dopamine peak. But right. the, the what we have now is just beyond anything we can imagine, uh, is what it's doing to kids' brains. And as a simple example, what that does to them, besides the AD symptoms, ADD symptoms it creates, and if you are ADD, then the more addicted you become to that, and then that creates more of that, that down-regulation of receptors. So it's a loop. You know, it's the chicken and the egg again. It goes, it's bidirectional. One thing creates this, and then that creates that, and it gets worse and worse over a lifetime. Yeah, and it's alarming because we've we've now evolved evolved or devolved <laughs> to to the point where people will go. Uh, we were just recently at a fundraising event, and literally it was a girls' night out. That's how it was framed. But the groups of women sitting around the tables were not socializing at all. They were checking their phones. And during the break, when you were supposed to be going out to get a you know a glass of champagne or whatever. Everyone was on their phones, and I remember, you know, 20 years ago, we would be walking down the mall and see a group of teenagers walking towards us and me commenting and saying, I can't believe none of them are talking to each other, and it was when cell phones first came out, so there'd be these whole groups of kids, you know, and we just thought that was totally crazy, walking down the mall and, you know, texting each other on their phones, and now... You know, 20 years later, uh, adults are doing the exact same behavior. So not only are we um, training our brains to be that way, but we're also losing the ability to talk to people like we've lost social skills. Well, you know, the things even, that, yeah, go ahead, John. As, as you're describing that, it's not being able to be where we are, not being present where we are. Mm-hmm. And here you are with a group of kids, and here they're talking on their phone to somebody who's not here. So the idea is to constantly get away from where I'm here. Because when you're, when you're present with a real person, that should produce enough dopamine. If you're present with somebody who's not here, to a certain extent they're not fully present with you, you actually, that can stimulate dopamine because they're not here. So let me explain why that's so. And it's more dramatic, of course, what I was getting at with the porn, is you're, you're getting turned on to a fantasy, someone who's really not here, doesn't even exist. Then these boys will be with a girlfriend, and they can't even feel attraction, and if they do, it's only short-lived. It's only when it's very new and, and, and exciting, and it goes away very, very quickly. And then after a few years of doing regular porn, they can't even be turned on in the presence of a real girl. Now, that's the, and why is that? Because the high dopamine levels are, de- you know, when you're dependent on high dopamine levels, your body adjusts. And you need this high dopamine stimulation to produce the dopamine levels. That raises testosterone for boys. So now he's dependent upon that high dopamine stimulation in order for his testosterone to come up and be aroused and turned on by a female. Now you put him in front of a real girl, uh, which will stimulate some dopamine, but it also stimulates serotonin. See, when you're in present time, a lot of brain chemicals get produced. GABA gets produced. Serotonin gets produced, dopamine gets produced, estrogen gets produced, oxytocin gets produced. So all of those hormones together through a real contact actually regulate, you know, the body's hormonal response. And so if a, if a boy has low dopamine function, and that's what happens when he becomes dependent upon this high dopamine stimulation, now normal stimulation doesn't produce a lot of dopamine but normal stimulation will also produce a lot of serotonin. That will push his dopamine down even more. It will produce oxytocin. It produces all these other counter-hormones, and his testosterone goes way, way down. And so the situation, uh, there's no arousal at all. 
The same thing with these kids carrying their phones. As long as they're talking and interacting with fantasy, their dopamine levels will be much higher. But to actually be in present time with someone, the serotonin levels will increase, the oxytocin will increase. That will lower his dopamine even more, and so he feels a sense of boredom, or she feels a sense of boredom, and has to now go on Facebook to feel like she has relationships rather than real relationships. And this is what we're all becoming, is we're becoming people in relationship to that which is not present with us in real life. Yeah, and and one of the issues here is the relationship of this to depression, because how do people interpret, you know, boredom and not getting excitement? Is that do they label that depression? That's something I'd really like your views on when we come back in the last segment of the show here on Master Your Life. We'll also be talking about what are the practical things we can do for all of us, for our own lives, for our kids to try to counter this, frankly, very alarming and disturbing trend. So, on the other side of Master Your Life, we'll be back with Dr. John Gray. Success starts here. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. It's your world. If you've been searching for fat loss and mental clarity in one place... Think ketosis. Maybe you've heard about a ketogenic diet but have been totally turned off by the painstaking effort to do it. Well, agonize no longer because there is a solution. What could be just as simple and easy as taking your daily vitamins? Visit reallifetraining.expert to find out. Raise your hand and get in on the front end of the total wellness revolution. Get well, manage your mood, clear your mind. Visit reallifetraining.expert now. Take us on the go. It's even easier now. The Voice America Talk Radio Network has launched our mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market to download the app powered by Aircast. It's free and no registration is necessary. In minutes, you could be enjoying your favorite Voice America Talk Radio host, no matter where you are, in the car, out and about, while traveling, or anytime you can't be close to your computer. Catch up on the archives you've missed or discover new shows on the spot. Search Voice America at your favorite app store. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are tuned in to Master Your Life. To reach Leah Mattinson, Dr. Howard Rankin, or their guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or send an email to Leah. That's L-E-A-H-A at changeyourlife.expert. Now, back to Master Your Life. Welcome back to Master Your Life. Today, we are privileged to have Dr. John Gray, uh, known for his Mars and Venus work in books, um, talking about another interest of his, very deep interest, and he's made a big contribution to the area of what we might call attention deficit or being uh, bored in a uh, hyper world, how difficult that is. And in this section, we want to talk about some things, John, uh, from what does this mean in terms of mood and depression, and also some of the practical things that all of us could do to try to get a hold of, again, what I think we all think is a disturbing trend. Well, yeah, we have tremendous amounts of depression today, and it's definitely linked to this ADD condition. There, you know, many things are all they're linked to each other. And 
what we see is more depression in girls generally, but we can also see a kind of depression in boys, which is going to be more linked to dopamine, which is an apathy, uh, which will happen after a while. When those receptor sites downregulate due to ADHD, then apathy is kind of the first uh, stage of depression for boys, uh, for men. For, it goes both ways. And he doesn't even know that he's actually unhappy. It's kind of like a not-feeling state of apathy, losing a motivation in life. Then as it, as it progresses, the condition progresses to a place of hopelessness. And that's what we would typically call depression for girls, as the girls will go right into a place of despair and hopelessness and then eventually get to a place of apathy. So kind of what I've seen is a, a distinction there with the genders. It has to do with brain function and dopamine and serotonin function. But in all the cases of low serotonin uh, production is generally associated with that despair, uh, with hopelessness, with uh, anxiousness, anxieties that will then turn into apathy. Or for boys, quite often, and men, sometimes you can say, well, you're depressed. And they go, no, I'm not depressed. Everything's okay. It's fine. It's all right. But there's an apathy. And that apathy is the first stage of, you know, really significant brain imbalance. And then it will turn into a hopelessness because it all stems from, in these cases, is this injury in the brain which is taking place. And I, I, we don't have time to go into it, but it's in the book. It's called Oxidative Stress, which has directly been linked in over thousands and thousands of studies. I mean, literally thousands online of uh, the causing being linked to depression, uh, Parkinson's, uh, Alzheimer's, anxiety, sleeplessness, all these conditions have to do with an injury in the brain where when this downregulation happens, uh, it's, it causes stress in the brain and that then causes these conditions. Uh, so that's more the, the biological side of it. I'm sure in our short period of time we should look at some of the solutions to this to restore brain health. And the first step... Uh, would be working on the digestion and knowing that when we're stressed, the body doesn't digest proteins properly. And, but when we have ADHD or depression, we're not digesting our proteins properly. So we need to be able to eat foods that are easy, easy to digest. Uh, you know, in, in India, for example, if somebody was depressed, you put them on a diet of pretty much uh, rice and dal, and mixed together is super easy to digest, along with a regular dose of a form of yogurt every day, which would help to repair the gut bacteria. You'll notice with children with ADHD quite often, and anybody with any brain imbalance, they often have diarrhea or constipation. They're not regular. They're not going once or twice a day uh, to the bathroom. Uh, and this indigestion or stomach aches or sensitivities, and now we even have it go so far as gluten intolerance, not being able to digest dairy, not being able to digest bread. These are all signs of this weak digestion, which is on the biological level the foundation of this condition we're talking about, whether it be ADHD, whether it be depression, anxiety, sleeplessness. We have to work on the digestion. So taking enzymes before a meal can help. This is on the biological level. What, what I have, what I put together is a formula that people go on my website and learn about, which is you take amino acids, which come from uh, mother's milk, but from cows, but you rebalance it so it's like mother's milk, a balance of casein and whey protein. And you add enzymes and you let it sit in water 
for you take the powder mixes and you put it in water for 45 minutes and it digests itself and it, or it, it converts the proteins into peptides so they immediately go to the brain and within days children will notice a major difference I mean literally major difference and over months you get a chance for the brain to heal itself and that's in a sense symptomatic solution because you're just providing the brain what the body can't produce on another level you want to give the body the ability to produce and so what you have to do on the social level is provide the right social stimulation. But on the physical level, what you do is you, you, you make a homemade yogurt, which is made from uh, kefirs and probiotics. And the, uh, I, I favor one called Bravo yogurt. It's a mix you can get from Switzerland. It is available through my website, and I give the instructions on how to make homemade yogurt. And you start really little bits because it's very powerful. It has 42 probiotic strains in it. There's no product in the whole Western world that has that many probiotics. But it replenishes the microbiome, the body's ability to make the molecules necessary to fully digest your meals and the precursors to make the brain chemicals. So you handle it. You heal the condition by, by re- replenishing the microbiome, the gut, restoring digestion. In the short term, you give the brain pre-digested proteins and the third part of this is minerals. And the minerals themselves uh, will produce symptomatic relief right away and help the brain heal itself. And these are minerals, which are special minerals from Germany. They're called super minerals. They're also available at my website. I talk about them. But the most important is something called lithium orotate. And all parents have heard of lithium for bipolar patients, psychiatrists recommend it and so forth. That's lithium carbonate. But this is what I'm recommending is lithium Orotate, and all you need is micro doses of it, very tiny doses, four and a half milligrams. I mean, basically, you can't even see it. And it has a profound effect within days, and it's very inexpensive. That's called lithium orotate. There's a tremendous amount of literature on it, and it's confusing. Once again, it's confusing because there's another form of lithium which is toxic to the body because they give doses that are 100 to 500 times more than the body needs. But for regular kids, for adults, you just take four and a half milligrams, maybe double that dose in the beginning, and then it cut back down. Absolutely no side effects. And and by the way, John, when you talk about your website, perhaps you should uh, say exactly what that website is. Oh, the website is, if you think of John Gray, you could put my name in, it would come up, but it's MarsVenus.com. So the two planets, Mars venus.com and it's all about relationships but there is a health food store there where i talk about these very very important minerals that have been immediately available and helpful for people with adhd or depression which is what we're talking about and more and more articles are coming out even the buck foundation here in marin county where i live has said that it would prevent it would prevent alzheimer's uh, more and more of the health magazines are talking about it i've been talking about it for 15 years because it was a big part of healing my brain. And again, we're not talking about a drug here. We're talking about a simple mineral that becomes depleted when we eat sugar. And that's why we all need it so much, is because we lose that <laughs> mineral when we eat so much carbohydrate. And actually, when you start taking it, the sugar cravings become less. So it's a real, it's a kind of a full frontal attack on uh, trying to heal your brain. Are there other things that you oh, yes, yes. have seen? people be successful using, John? Yeah. Well, the, the bottom line is a healthier diet, and, and that's a whole show in itself, and people read books on that. It's all available for people. We know not to eat. We, need to, we know to eat more vegetables. We know to eat less junk food and processed foods. 
but there are more things. I just talked about the biological foundation that likes the behavioral things. I touched on it when I talked about social interactions. Actually, you know, people talking to each other, interacting without the electronics in between. That's one. Two is hot baths at 102 degrees for 30 minutes have been shown to produce something called heat shock proteins that repair the brain. There's a whole chapter on that. Art, doing art classes, has proven to improve the conditions of, of ADHD, proven to be just as effective or close to as effective as even taking these Ritalin drugs that over time stop working and actually have side effects. And another one is the, uh, besides the art classes, is dance, movement, uh, sports, all these physical activities uh, help to improve, restore normal brain function. They've been proven to be helpful. But art is a really key one, and singing and being in a singing group. Uh, these things have also stimulate all the hormones instead of just this one dopamine that gets stimulated when we're eating sugar or we're, or we're um, on the video games, uh, we're on our iPads, we're watching TV, watching the movies. All of those activities primarily stimulate too much of one brain chemical and not enough of the others. But when you're doing these social activities I just mentioned, you're getting all of them together, and that helps to restore the normal balance of brain chemicals. And there's a chapter on each of those things I just mentioned. You know, and, and that's interesting, Joe, because what that says, not just about treating um, brains that have started to malfunction, if you will, or be trained the wrong way. But I think there's also implications there for the best way to raise children, um, that if you actually did these lifestyle behaviors with these children, gave them lots of different types of stimulation rather than just one or two, um, gave them a healthy diet. You're so right. It's, 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 you're so right. It's the foundation. And even when they've done studies on, on for adults, you know, healthy at 100 in different parts of the world mm -hmm. in these right. communities, they're socializing. They sing together. They eat together. They eat foods that come from nature. You know, they're not processed yeah. foods. And they're healthy at 100. They don't have these mental illnesses. You know, in America, one out of two people over, over 80 and people are living longer has Alzheimer's, which is not alive. I mean, it's a horrible, horrible thing. One out of six women over 65 have dementia. You know, there's a one out of nine men. These things are affecting us at all levels, and it's the same condition in the brain which is giving rise to it. So improving our diet, getting some extra supplementation, and getting the right social stimulation. And then there is a whole chapter on hot baths. That's another miraculous thing. And I started doing this 15 years ago, and I created a spa just to test it out. It was helping all these kids even with autism. And finally, two years ago, a study was done showing with autistic kids, even at 102 degrees for 30 minutes, many of the symptoms started to subside after it would last a few days. But my program is do it every other day. The heat shock proteins will last for, for two days, and then you do it again. It's doing right behaviors and and uh, you use the right word right, and I often will use the word appropriate. And in this world, though, lots of it's you know kind of spun out of control, where we don't necessarily know 
what's right and appropriate, especially if generationally um, we have, you know, parents who are in that 25-year age range and now they're having babies and their right is different than the 45-year-old, you know, inappropriate or right, just like you had said about, you know, um, Playboy being lingerie and now what people have been exposed to. So how do people even figure out what's normal? And we're kind of going to the end of the show here. We only have a couple minutes, John, but just like to hear your take on how do people figure out what is actually normal and what is right? Well, when when you come to what's normal, is it's very hard to say that's a person's value judgment of what's normal, but you look at what symptoms are there. If something is feeling good, you do something and it feels good, and the next day you continue to feel good, then that was probably appropriate behavior. If you do something that doesn't, that feels really, really good, and the next day you don't feel so good, uh, that is not such a good behavior because it's tricky. You know, when you do the, when you do certain things that are going to throw you out of balance while you're doing them, it can feel really, really good. But that's our inner mechanism. Our inner mechanism to know what's good for us is if it feels good for us. If it feels loving, if it feels peaceful, if it feels joyful, if it feels happy. But things that cause us to feel the next day irritable and grumpy and tired or pain in our bodies, those are the things that we should then look back and go, oh, that wasn't working. But it's very hard today because everything in, in, in sales is there to make people feel good in the moment, in the moment. But then we look at what happens the next day if you have these cravings. And there's a difference between craving and natural desire. That's another whole discussion but we people have these cravings that come from a place of dissatisfaction or simply a hunger that comes from I'm feeling good and now it's time to eat. And again, this whole ADHD type thing, food is a major dopamine stimulator and some people become addicted to food because that's how they get their dopamine fix. And we didn't mention in the show, but I'll say it in one sentence. There's now, in my book, I have seven major studies from major universities, Harvard being one, showing that ADHD type drugs are just like cocaine and methamphetamines and cause injury to the brain and again I call it injury to the brain they call it brain damage I call it injury because an injury can be healed with the right support and the right conditions the body has a natural healing mechanism but we have to give it a chance and that's what we've been talking about is creating balance in our life so that our body has the chance to heal itself from the little bits of injury and imbalance that occur, as opposed to continuing to be addicted to those things which are injuring us. Well, John, we could keep talking all day, I think, about this subject, because um, not only is it interesting and fascinating, I think it's one of the biggest challenges that we face today, all of us in our lives, Um, because as you rightly say, the marketing society just ramps up feeling good right now, and frankly contributes to the problem that you've been talking about and have so so well articulated. So um, for those listening, MarsVenus.com, where not only can you get you know, John's normally great um, relationship advice. You can find more about what he's been talking about and about his book uh, on the subject. And uh, we'd just like to thank you so much, um, John, for taking time out of your very busy schedule to spend some time with us. You're very, very welcome. And for your listeners, if they go to MarsVenus.com, right away they can get a free download of this book. You can buy it at stores, you can buy it at Amazon, but I want everybody to get it. So you can get a PDF version of it if you'd like. Right. That's well, absolutely wonderful, I think, for uh, parents and people who are listening to have an immediate solution to go to and a resource to go to. So, again, thank you, Dr. John Gray, for being a guest on Master Your Life. Thank you for being a part of our show today. 
Master Your Life with Leah Mattinson and Dr. Howard Rankin can be heard every Tuesday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now, go enjoy your successful life. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.